all day long, pounding nails, hanging sheetrock, and, and uh, doing drywall. I could do that all day long. Now I, I look at it and I get tired just thinking about it. <laughs> I not do anything. Uh, but, but God is good. And Sharon and I, again, we have uh, our, our ministry, the Beams ministry, is, is we have only one purpose. That's to get Bibles to the mission field. Amen. And we don't do stateside. Because you can find Bibles in the States. If you want to find a Bible, buy it. And preachers can go and find Bibles in the States. But if you're in a nation like Ghana or, or Kenya or, or India or any of these uh, third world countries around the world, you can't go find a Bible. If you could find a Bible, it probably wouldn't be the right one. And so uh, our goal is to get as many Bibles in the hand of new converts as we can. We don't do John and Romans. I praise the Lord for ministries like Bearing Precious Seeds and the best ministry that put together Johns and Romans and New Testaments, you know, and they, and they send them out and take them out. And that works really great for evangelism, but it's not very good for teaching the whole counsel of God. All the major doctrines of the Bible are found in the first 12 chapters of Genesis. So where do you get your foundation? So you want to you have the whole Bible. So we send the whole Bible to the whole world. And we only send whole hardback Bibles because the hardback lasts longer. And uh, we find out that every Bible that we get to the field will touch between 10 and 20 people. So if you send a box that's got eight Bibles in it, that's going to touch anywhere from 100 to 200 different people. And that's isn't that one, something, that, something that you can touch that many people. And when they get the Bible, it's not like a lot of people buy, get a Bible in America. They buy it and they look at it and for a couple of days they're really excited about it and they read it for a few days and then it lays on the shelf for the next 20 years. No, if you, if you get one of the field, a new convert gets in the field, they'll grab that Bible, they'll clutch it to their breast, and they'll, they'll cry because they got something that, that uh, they never thought they'd be able to have. So over half the world is on $2 a day or less. If you were in that country and you, and you was making $2, what do you think you're going to spend the $2? Food, probably. Put something on your table. So I believe that God has tremendously prospered and blessed American Christians with the resources to get the word of God to the world. We don't have anything else we can, trans- or we can export to the world that's more valuable than the word of God. Amen. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you all for stepping up and taking part. For taking a box. You know, I, I don't even get started. And they say, I'm, and brother, brother back here, he said, I want two boxes. I mean, he didn't, he didn't even wait for service to start. He just wanted two boxes. But our ministry has sent over two million Bibles now. And we're starting on the third million. And uh, we send over 10,000 Bibles a month to over 150 countries, to over 4,000 missionaries and national pastors. And every time I find a missionary that's on the list, I give him an application form and say, fill this out, send it to Beam so you can get the Bibles off your plate. You, you'll know that you've got them coming in on a regular basis and you won't have to worry about it. Take that off your plate. Isn't that a wonderful thing to do? Because a, a missionary gets to the field, where am I going to get Bibles? Where am I going to get literature I need? And so we try to help him take that part off his plate so he doesn't have to worry about that. He knows he's got Bibles coming in on a regular basis. So when they come in, he gets people saved and baptized. We don't just give it to anybody. We give it to saved and baptized people. Mm-hmm. Why do you give somebody the whole Bible if they haven't even got saved yet? Mm-hmm. Okay? So you give it to somebody that's committed. And then that pre- preacher can get up and he can take his copy of the Word of God. And he may be one of those that didn't, didn't get a Bible until see, we sent one to him. Mm-hmm. A lot of pastors... In these countries, in Africa especially, don't even have their own Bible. So they get one, and, and we encourage them, listen, first of all, take care of yourself, and then you can take care of your people. Anybody, uh, and again, our, our ministry is, again, we started, we started on the third millionth, and uh, I don't know whether we'll get to three million, but we're going to work on it until God calls us home. Amen.
So I, I, I encourage you, listen to each one of you. If you're not involved, if you're not doing something constructive in the work, in the work of the Lord, ask the Lord to give you something. Don't, don't waste the experience and the knowledge that God has placed in your mind and heart. Don't waste it. Use it somewhere in, in order to encourage somebody, to, to train somebody, to pray for somebody. And uh, Again, God didn't train you just to sit back and sit. He trained you to get up and get. <laughs> and I pray you do that. And uh, uh, this, is, this, I'm, I'm, this is the first time that my, this is my bonus daughter. When I got married, I got two bonus daughters, a bonus son, and a couple bonus grandkids. Okay? I don't call them step. They're bonus. God gave me a bonus, and they've been a blessing to my heart. This lady, she got so much love and compassion in her heart, just puts me to shame. And Adrian here just got saved. And he's just wearing his grandpa out with questions. And I say, just wear me out. So I, I, I thank God and send him... So I'd have somebody to mentor a little bit, pass on what I've got. And uh, I've got 14 grandchildren of my own before Sharon came along. And uh, I, got a great, I got a granddaughter getting married in June, and she was so kind. She's getting married on the anniversary of my first wife and I. And I thought, well, how sweet that is, that, that your granddaughter would want to get married on your anniversary. And uh, uh, she's serving the Lord and married a godly Christian young man. So I thank the Lord for all that God has done for me, and I don't deserve any of it, all right? Um, let's get into the message. I, I'll try to keep it short. I've only got five pages. I usually don't spend over 20 minutes on a page. So uh, um, uh, he, he, the, the brother, what was, your, what was the brother's name that read the? He's not on here. Brother Jim. He's hiding back there. Wherever he's at, he's hiding. But anyway, he read that. 17th chapter of John. Does everybody know what 17th chapter of John is? Hmm? What's it called? What's it called? Hmm? Huh? It's called the Lord's High Priestly Prayer. Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is, is actually the model prayer, the one in Matthew chapter 6, and there's also a place in Luke where it gives it. It's a model prayer. And it, uh, it, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. It's a good model to go by, by the way. You should always start your prayers by acknowledging who God is. Our Father, Abba, Father. Oh, my, isn't God good? We get to call Him Father. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your heavenly Father loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to pay the penalty for your sins. Make it personal. Abba, Father. And that's sweet. Our Father which art in heaven and recognize. Listen, I don't, you know how big God is? He's bigger than you think he is. You know how smart he is? He's smarter than you think he is. You know how wise he is? He's wiser than you think he is. You cannot wrap your mind around God. Ever what you try, you try to put him in your mind or your box and it'll blow your mind up. You cannot outthink God. God is greater in every way than you ever imagined. And his love is so, for God so loved you. Who's that? The God of the universe. God, the great I am. I, I got to thinking on that about God. You know, he is, God is the, the God of isness because he is I am. Because he is we are. Because he is there is here. He is the God of isness. 
Were it not for God, there would not be anything. No time, no space, no matter, no us. And that's the God that we serve. That's the God that, and that God who's that big loves you and I. Amen. And I, I, that's hard for me to wrap my mind around that that God loves me. And he knows me by my first name. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I get out of line. I, I don't like to hear that, him call me my name. <laughs> you know, God will, God will talk to you if you love him. Mm-hmm. But the, the chapter of uh, seven, John seven, chapter 17 is the great priestly, high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus praying for you and I. He's, a, he's the night before he's taken. That very night that he prays his prayer is when he's getting ready to be taken captive. And he'll be on the cross the next day. And he prays this prayer. And he's praying it for you and I. He's praying it for his disciples, but all those that will believe. If you look at verse number 20. Not just for these only, but all those that will believe through the word that they preach. Mm. Guess what? That, that includes you. Right. We're included in that. Jesus is thinking of all those millions that are going to put their faith and trust in him down through the centuries. That's the God that loves us. That's the God that cares for us. That's our Savior. Jesus thinking as the night before he's about to go to the cross, thinking of others. And... Uh, this is, I want to tell you, has anybody here ever had a struggle with their prayer life? Hmm? Hmm? I'll be honest. <laughs> Probably one of the biggest struggles of my life is trying to get a, a viable, sensible, effective prayer life. You say, well, you're, you're a preacher. You ought to have that. I'm sorry. Uh, I get down to praying. I lose focus. You ever lose focus praying? Where was I? I even go to sleep. No, I know nobody here has ever done that before. I'll get down there. I'll be, I'll be praying, and all of a sudden, shake my head. Where'd I go? Well, I'm not feeling too bad though. The disciples went to sleep when Jesus told them to pray. This chapter in Matthew is actually. Uh, the Lord, the real Lord's Prayer, okay? Uh, there's always more that we can learn from any portion of Scripture in the short times available to us. Uh, you get up to pre- they prepare a message. Do you ever finish the message? They don't think I do. No. <laughs> there's always questions left. There's always things. Oh, okay. Because you cannot, you cannot exhaust the Word of God. Right. You cannot exhaust the Word of God. Uh, I, I've read through this, this, this particular portion, the whole chapter of 17 John, which is Jesus' prayer. And um, I said, oh, Lord, I, I can't preach this. My prayer life is a shramble, shambles, you know. Because prayer is work. Yeah, right. It's work. Yeah. But, you know, God invites, who's, who's speaking here? Jesus, Emmanuel, God, with, God, John identifies who he's speaking and we know from the study of Jesus' life that Jesus was a praying man. Throughout, it even started out, uh, after he got baptized, he goes up in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, the word prayer does not come in there. He fasted for 40 days. It didn't say that he prayed and fasted, but I believe that he was communing with God. Right. You know, And he was praying for 40 days. And he pray- You know, if Jesus Christ saw the necessity for praying, that he wouldn't enter into temptation, that he would be able to accomplish what the Father sent him to do. Do you not think that we human, mortals, weak in the flesh, 
Don't we need to pray? Don't we need to get a hold of the throne of God and ask God, God, I can't do it. I'm going to fail. And so I, if, if there's one thing you get out of this, I hope you get the, the how much God wants you to pray. Right. He invites us to pray. Amen. He said, pray without See, There's so many scriptures that say, that say and the disciples said, Preach us, uh, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples how to pray. And that's a good model to go by. And by the way, if you sit down and you break that up, it's certain areas that the, the introduction or the, the uh, uh, where you address the Father, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, how loose our society has got with the name of God. Oh, everywhere you turn, every, every time you listen to the TV or almost anything, you're going to hear OMG or something similar to it. And we, we slang the name of God. We profane the name of God. We disrespect the name of God. And I even hear Christians doing it. And don't even, they don't even cringe when they do it. Oh, we should have respect and honor for the name of God. Oh, I, hallowed be the It is a sanctified name. It is a separated name. It is a holy name. And oh, how we should re- revere that name. In our lives, and I'd encourage you. Let's let's see if we can't get back to the basics of really honoring God and His name, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's so many slang words that we use, and I don't want to use them, but you know what they are. I remember when I was a boy, my grandma was a Methodist, and if she ever heard me using the word, excuse me, darn, I'd have a a bar of soap in my mouth. Mm-hmm. We may soothe our conscience and say, well, that's really not profanity. Yes, it is. Mm. It is really profanity. It's dishonoring to God. And you as a child of God, me as a child of God, should have more respect and honor for our Savior than to, than to dishonor His name and His person. Right. And His promise. So, um, he, he was that. He prayed everywhere. He prayed everywhere. He encouraged his disciples to pray. He prayed how much we would need to pray. A prayer time should be the sweetest time of our day. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. It should be a sweet time, but I'll guarantee you most of my life has not been a sweet time. It's like pulling eye teeth for me to get down and get down on my knees and sometimes on my face and, and, uh, and really get a hold of the throne of God. Yeah. Do you know that we can't do anything in the flesh that will be of any eternal value? That's right. You need the Spirit of God in your heart and you need to have the Spirit of God in your soul. And you need, when, you, when you pray, you're, you're seeking to have that closer relationship. You want a close relationship with the Lord? I want a close relationship with my wife, but I got to spend time with her. I can't just watch television all the time and not talk to her. She likes to talk. She's not that bad, but she likes to talk. And I'm not the best listener in the world. But you know, when we talk to the Lord, our mind drifts off into nala nala land somewhere. And we forget lack of focus. That is really, I attribute that. And I'm, I'm telling you this because I know the struggles that I've had. And I figure if I've had struggles, probably other people's had struggles too with their prayer life. 
Prayer changes things. Amen. You can change the direction of your family, the direction of your church, the direction of your nation mm -hmm. by prayer. Mm -hmm. There's nothing my God can't do. Amen. If you think God is limited because of you, He's not limited because, but He wants to use you to prove how valuable he is. Yes. I tell you what, I don't give to the Lord in order to get. Yeah. I give because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I can't give without getting because God ain't going to owe me anything. So whatever I give to the Lord, I know, I know that it's going to come back one way or another. It may not come back monetarily, but it'll come back one way or another. God will never be in debt to me. Mm -hmm. You can't give out. In fact, I, I challenge you. The Bible says, what is that in Malachi? Trust me, try me, and prove me. Yeah. If God will not send you a blessing, you'll not be able to contain. Yeah. We, we're, we're so, we are so controlled by sight mm. instead of by faith. Yeah, right. God's bigger than you think he is. <laughs> He's sweeter than you think he is. Mm. Smarter, wiser. You can't out, you can't out think God. Just when you think you got him figured out, you say, whoop, why'd that happen? He'll come up with something. I'm excited for you folks. See the, the pile of dirt over there and know that, that God's getting ready to bless you all with a building. And, and I just it just thrills my soul that God's going to use you all in a special way. Amen. Invest in God's work. Yes. Invest in God's work. Amen. And it starts all at the altar of prayer. Amen. It really does. Yes. Asking God, Lord, we want to finish this, and we don't want to have a massive debt over our head. Right. So God, we're going to ask you to bring the phones in. So as we build, we're able to pray. Oh, I, you think God, God can do it if you if we trust Him? God, you may not have the funds. The people here may not have the funds, but God's got the funds. So you ask Him to do it for you. God's not asking you to do something you can't do. But we're not asking. We're not asking to do what we can do. We're asking God to do what He can do, and only yeah. He can do. Yeah. Prove yourself to us, Lord. Have you ever put God to the test? Mm. Hmm? It's it's uh, it, again. My my prayer life has been a struggle. I'm not saying I don't pray, but it seems like it's uh, consistency. Consistency. Uh, uh, the, it, Jesus asked the disciples to pray for an hour. Came back and they were asleep. He said, could you not pray an hour? I have to admit, there's not many times in my life I've prayed an hour. Mm, I have, but I can't say it's a habit. Okay? Can't say it's a habit. Pray all night? Have you ever pray? Anybody ever pray, prayed all night? I can't say, uh, about, uh, about 11 o'clock. In fact, my body about 9.30 says, you're not in bed yet? <laughs> Start talking to me. You're not in bed yet? And so, uh, just a thought of, Praying all night scares the fire out of me. But you know, that's where you get a hold of God. When, when, you, when you're, the prayer is more important, Brother Eccles, than, than your sleep. Yeah. It, you want God's touch on your life yeah. more than you want that extra hour of sleep. Right. You, it costs something to get the, 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 the blessings of God on your life. And I, I look at that and I say, you know, once you do it, you know you can do it. That's like reading through the Bible. You know, you look at that big old book. Mine, my, the copy I've got is about 1,400, 1,500 pages, you know. 
and you look at that big book, book, man, that's a lot. How in the world am I going to, how in the world am I going to eat that elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> One bite at a time. That's how you, you approach the Word of God. I, I, in fact, I was in the military. I spent 24 years in the military. And uh, uh, I, was, I was about ready to get out. A few years before I got out, but it, about eight, 1989. And uh, I am uh, I'm working in El Paso, Texas, Fort Bliss, Texas. And, and I know that I've already been to Bible college. I've already graduated from Bible college. already been ordained. What are you doing in the Army? God kept putting me back in there for some reason. And I found out it's because my wife had an accident that paralyzed her from the neck down. Everything I needed to take care of her was supplied. We had millions of dollars worth of medical bills and didn't pay a penny. I don't, you know, I don't understand how God works, but He works. Yeah. He works. And so, uh, but uh, I came out and um, God had, uh, and He said, uh, I said, Oh Lord, I know, Lord, when I retire, you're going to want me to want me to preach. And I picked up the Bible and I looked at that Bible and I said, Lord, I'm not even a consistent Bible reader. So I committed to reading through the Word of God in 1989. I said, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Have anybody committed to do that? Are you on, are you on target this year? Mm? Mm. Well, I, uh, I got Sharon on conviction and she's doing it now. <laughs> That first year was a struggle. Man, I'd, I'd go along for a week or two weeks. Man, I'm every morning I'm up. I'm reading my Bible, praying. I'm, I'm going for it. And, and then I'll, I'll miss a day. All right, tomorrow I've got to read twice as much as I did today. That gets, okay. That, one day is all right to me. What if you get behind a week or two? <laughs> now, you, now it's a struggle to catch up. But we do. Finally, about two days before the end of the year, I finished reading. Yeah, I did. I did. Eighty-nine, I made it. And I, I finished that last Revelations twenty-two, twenty-one, and it dawned on me. January the first is two days away. <laughs> I got to start all over again. I've managed to read through the Bible since that time. At least one time a year since that time. I haven't missed. But I committed to that. I, 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 I need to make the same commitment to my prayer life. Reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God is feeding me. Feeding me. Me talking to the Lord, spending time with the Lord, is building a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. You want that strong relationship. You, how many of you use God as a one one nine one one number? Emergency comes up nine one one. Lord, I'm in trouble. I need your help. God answers, and all of a sudden we don't call him again for days, months. God deserves better than that from us. God deserves better. Ere long, I'd be drifting off. And Satan, Satan wants us. Uh, last thing he wants us to do is pray. He really has no weapon against a prayer warrior. He really doesn't. You are invoking the powers of the creator of the universe. 
You are invoking his blessings. You're invoking him to protect you, to bless you. You are invoking the very powers of the omnipotent God to sustain you when you pray. Satan has no weapon against a strong prayer life. If you want to be strong in the Lord, make sure you develop work on your prayer life. Okay? Work on your prayer life. Um, I read a quote similar to Satan hates to see a Christian on his or her knees. He hates to see that because he knows he doesn't have a weapon against it. In Matthew 6, he gives us the model prayer, but let me see. He is the. Um, see, I never follow my notes, so it may take a little bit longer. No. <laughs> um, God will always answer your prayer. He'll always answer your prayer. It may be, not be the way you want him to answer it. It may, he may answer your needs at that time, or he may say wait, or he may say no, but he will answer your prayer. And if he says no, it's because he knows that's not the best. He'll always answer your prayer for your best, for your best benefit. Not what you think is best for you, but what he knows is best for you. And when he answers that, don't forget to thank him. Lord, thank you for, I didn't make that mistake I was about to make. Hmm? You was about to make a wrong mistake. You prayed about it. God turned, God shut the door and you said, God, thank you for, or something come up that showed you that it would have been a bad mistake to do that. God will always lead you in the right way if you'll seek his will. So, um, one thing about prayer is, uh, consider this, you can dial up heaven at any hour or day or night. He's never busy. He's always got time for you. Why is it that we don't have time for him? He's always, I mean, we're just one. He is listening to the billions on earth that know him. And I think there's a good number of people on planet earth that know him. Not probably as, not as many know him as don't know him. There's a lot of people, but he knows every one of them. That's how great my God is. He can, you can be praying, I can be praying and laying out before God and he knows exactly what your prayer is and my prayer and Brother Eccles and everybody else in here and he's not confused. I get confused in my prayer. <laughs> Let's consider the greatest thing is he's able to answer every prayer. Um, unfortunately, I have to say that probably many of my prayers never got above the roof of the building. They have prayed in the flesh. Something I wanted to happen. I wasn't seeking God's will. And we ought to all just yield ourselves to God, what do you want me to do? And I prayed, prayed that prayer when I resigned my church after my wife had had the accident that paralyzed her from the neck down. And uh, I stepped down from pastoring. I had started a church, and, and uh, it was my baby, so to speak. And, and we was running about 65, and, and uh, I said, Lord, she's 24-7. How am I going to do the work that needs to be done? I can preach, but I find a hard time find the time to pastor. So I stepped down, and God led me to do some more some more uh, study because I had the time to study. And then uh, one day God said, "When you go to work, Lord, the situation hadn't changed. My my wife's still a quadriplegic. She she can't scratch her nose." I, I can't pastor. I don't feel like that's changed, Lord. 
People need me to be available, and you need, my wife needs me to be available 24-7. She may not call on me 24-7, but I have to be there. And so he said, and so I said, Lord's situation, he said, so? I said, all right, Lord, what can I do? God laid on me the beans ministry. And I said, Lord, um, I really have a burden for this because I know that there's men and women around the world that don't have a Bible. And I've got them laying all over the house. This is, anyone would, would love to have this cheapest one that I've got, just a copy of God's Word. So God showed me how to do the ministry with a quadriplegic. That means I'm traveling. That means I'm taking care of somebody that can't scratch their nose on the road. How do you do that? How do you, how do you, you, you ask the Lord to show you what, Lord, if you laid it on my heart, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. So we went and, and uh, we was trying to find a vehicle that worked for us. We first got a 15-passenger van. And have you ever tried to hook up a, a, a power chair in a 15-passenger van when you're nearly 70 years old? You're crawling on your hands and knees, and you're trying to get in and out of the van. And, and uh, so that didn't work too well, so we sold that. And we, and we was looking through different vehicles, and all of a sudden there comes up this paratransit bus. And Sandy said, what about that? I said, nah, that wouldn't work. She said, why wouldn't it? So we began to look, and we found one. Had a lift on it, so I could... I could strap her down right behind the driver's seat, run her up the, up the lift, just strap her down. That's great, Lord. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to be traveling all over the country. What am I, how am I going to take care of her? You know, it's not simple when you have to do everything for somebody that's a quadriplegic. I'm not, now, I'm not bragging, I'm, don't, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I really am not. She was such a, a great, great lady. And she never lost her smile or her spirit. Though she had lost everything she loved to do. She loved to sing. She loved to do crafts. She was a school teacher. Everything that she loved. She was a fantastic cook. That's the greatest thing I missed, I think. She was the greatest cook. Everything she loved to do was taken away from her. But she never lost her sweet spirit. Never got angry at God. Never cursed God. Never had a bad spirit about her. So we got that bus and then then light bulb comes on. What about a toy hauler? Trailer. That bus, 7.3 liter diesel, it'll pull the trailer. So we got a toy hauler. Run her up the ramp. Guess who I put in the cargo bay? She's my toy. <laughs> I run her up the cargo bay. Had a hospital bed in the cargo bay take care of her. We took care of her. She loved it. She didn't have to sit at home looking at four walls 24-7. She's out on the road. She's a blessing to everybody because the preacher say, if she can serve the Lord, being a quadriplegic, what's your excuse for not serving the Lord? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now he said, Alvin, you can come back as long as you bring her. <laughs> we was able to travel probably between 50 and 100,000 miles all over New Mexico and West Texas and Oklahoma. Arizona, God just blessed us. We just, 
If you want to serve the Lord, you can. When God opens the door for you, walk through the door. Right. Don't question God. Don't argue with God. Walk through the door. Do it. Mm. And we, we found out that, uh, that if you want to serve the Lord and you're sincere, God will open the door for you and use you. Mm. And if you're still drawing breath, God's not done with you yet. Amen. Find out is what it is He wants you to do and do it. Right. All of that, uh, that, that, that's just extra. That didn't cause It's not even in my notes. It's free. And my time's up already, but let me encourage you on your prayer life. I don't think anything of lasting value has ever been accomplished without God's people on their knees before God. That building is going to be built, but it'll be built better and quicker and be paid off quicker when you get on your knees. And you plead for God's blessings upon these people. And then plead for God to fill up this building before you get into your new building. The world doesn't have anything to offer. Progressive right. churches don't have anything to offer. Right. I'm sorry, they don't. They don't have anything of any value to offer. Progressive churches, will they'll make you, they'll make you come out of church feeling good about yourself. You need to come out of church feeling good about God, Amen. not about yourself. You right. need to come. You need to take an honest look at yourself and find out what it is in your life that's not pleasing to God, and say, "God, would you reveal it to me and help me to exercise that out of my life?" God wants to use each of us. He wants. He wants. He's your father. He wants the best for you, and a lot of times we we don't get his best because we do not yield. To the knowledge we already have. Why should God? I, I find young people and, and even adults say, I'm just seeking for God's will. And I'm, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, um, are you already doing what you know to do? God has already given us the Great Commission. We know to do the Great Commission. God has already told us that we need to meditate, read and meditate on the Word of God. Are you reading and meditating on the Word of God? He already has told us we ought to be praying, praying consistently and without fail. Are we doing that? Are we being the soul winners and the light and salt that God means? If you're not doing what God's already telling you to do, why should God reveal more will to you if you're not already doing what He told you to do? Does that make sense? That makes sense. It make me, you know, I say, well, Lord, I want to know what you want me to do. He said, just do what I've told you to do, and then we'll get to the next part. When you do that, I encourage you, get the basics down. We need sometimes, as Christians, we get old, we think we know it all, and we've been there, we've done that. I have to, I couldn't afford a t-shirt when I got there. Seek to please the Lord. It starts with prayer. Getting on your knees. God, help me to see myself as you see me. Not as I see me. Lord, I want to see myself as you see me. And Lord, I want, I want to see myself as you want to see me. What are you leading me to do? And don't ever sell God short. 
You may not be able to do it, and you may not see how you can do it, but God, if he calls you to do it, he'll, he'll lead you and show you how you can do it. God will do it. He'll never call you to do that which you can't do. But he may call you to do something that only he can do. But if you're right with him, he'll get you there. How's your prayer life? How's your Bible study and reading? How's your commitment to the Lord? Don't we all want to grow in the Lord? I do. I'm 80 years old and I don't want to quit growing. I want to eventually, I hope before I die, I have a good day of prayer where I really feel like that I've got a hold of the throne of God. It takes work. Prayer is work. It's hard work. But it could be. And when I get to the place where I go an hour and I, it'll seem like nothing. I go for two hours and it'll seem like nothing. And I'll come to that time of prayer and all of a sudden, Lord, it's so good to be back here again today. I'm looking for the sweet time I want to have with you today. Yeah. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. It calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wishes known. Let's stand. Maybe God's spoken to your heart tonight. One thing I want to do, I hate to, hate to go through any service without this. If, I don't know what your heart is, but I know that Jesus is in the soul-saving business. I got saved in 1955. wasn't at a church. It was a Christian. It was a, uh, it was a home where there's holding good news clubs. And I went to that good news club simply because there was a pretty girl in the sixth grade that was going. And I started memorizing those scriptures, you know, for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I began memorizing those scriptures and to impress that young lady. <laughs> I didn't go. I wouldn't know what I'd done if, I, if I'd have caught her. But Jesus caught me. Those scriptures I was memorizing, one day, I'm that sinner. I'm going to go to hell without Jesus Christ. And in January 1955, I got on my knees in Kitchener, home in Covington, Oklahoma. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. Amen. And I ain't got over it yet. <laughs> it's still justice. I still see myself on my knees in the kitchen at home. And the, the new birth took place. The Holy Spirit came in. You're not saved by feelings, but if you don't feel something, I question whether you got saved or not. I come out of that house, and there was a porch that ran around the house, and I... I said, man, that burden's lifted off my shoulders. And, and man, how many sins can an 11-year-old have? I had enough to know that I'd burned down a barn and lied about it. My brothers and I, I knew that I was a sinner. 
and I needed Jesus. And I felt like I could fly. I jumped off that porch. Bang, I hit the ground. But that feeling never left. I still had it. I still got it today. If you've not been saved, I want you to know Jesus died that you might go to heaven. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you've not trusted Christ, you're saved. I'd invite you to come tonight. I'd invite you to come and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to secure your soul for all eternity. That's what he came for, that you might be saved. Father, we thank you for these few moments we've had together. I pray, God, that they will not have been wasted. I pray, God, that, that you will have been glorified in all ways. pray you'd bless in this portion of service, Lord, in Jesus' name.